0: Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at beersandbiblep1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let's join our host Michael and Anthony for this week's discussion.
1: Welcome to episode
0: number 208 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael and I am Anthony, and we are happy to be back with you for another week, another discussion, another beer, just another all around good time. We're gonna have a good time tonight, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's usually what we, we have a good time, whether whether I don't I mean, I I assume y'all have as good a time as we do. Um, because I mean that's why we keep doing this week after week, I assume. Yeah. I mean, we're not stopping, so yeah. How's your week been, man?
1: It's been all right. We've uh, what is today Thursday? I uh, had a uh, had a sick kid on Monday, so I had to lay out of work that day to take him to the doctor, and uh, uh just kind of the week kind of got hijacked a little bit because of that. But overall, mm-hmm. it's been fine. Um, I was in a dirty warehouse today. Boo! Uh, running wire and um, installing cameras in a facility that I don't think has probably ever had a good breeze go through it so they're just like (laughs) just thick layers of dust on everything that's the worst yeah so i like and then i had to go to another place after and so i had to change shirts um because uh it was just it was just gross so um so yeah that's that was was a good time so nice but we're uh getting ready for the weekend hopefully gonna have kind of a low-key weekend this weekend and uh well, we'll see how it goes but how about you what's going on with y'all
0: man we're busy busier than ever uh you know somebody made a comment the other day that January has been 11 months long mm-hmm. and I don't I think I'm in the opposite like to me January was like three or four days long like I just could oh, like flew by for you it did because I like I felt like I was constantly behind and I think when you feel like you're behind on stuff like you can't keep up it's like mm-hmm. things are moving faster than you want them to so yeah January felt really fast for me, but but other than that, it's been a good time. You know, my my wife has uh, she's taken off this weekend to go have a girls' weekend with some of her friends. So uh, I'm doing the oh, uh, doing the bachelor dad thing over the weekend, and so y'all uh, are ate, y'all are eating lunchables and pizza rolls <laughs> all weekend. Is that it? Pretty much. Let's see. Dinner tonight was taquitos. Nice uh, <laughs> frozen taquitos. I hope. Oh yeah, they were frozen. Heck yes. Uh, and and my daughter had to cook them. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow she she knew how long. I was like how how long do you put the how do you operate this thing she's like I got it dad just get out of here and I'm like okay fine
1: <laughs> now, so, hey,
0: you know but when when dad when it's just dad we get to sit in the living room and watch TV while we eat dinners <laughs> yeah. they like it <laughs> That's so, funny but uh but yeah well man let's get down to it let's drink some beer tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about Galatians in a little while. But before we do that, what are you drinking?
1: So I am going back to the Brewing Project. They are based in... um, I never have this ready when... uh, They're in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. um, And I have the Moving to the Country uh, Peach Ring Sour Ale. Um, So... There's very much uh, peach rings look on the can here. Um, it says Insert peach rings. Peaches here. Yeah. Peaches, 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 peaches,
0: peaches. <laughs> too. <laughs> which peaches? Okay.
1: Um, can you tell I have kids, small kids? Um, so, yeah, the peach ring cereal. There's like a lot of peach rings on here, and it says peach ring on it. Um, funnily enough, like peach rings are not my favorite candy. Like, but I understand the appeal of them. Oh yeah, like, I, I love I, I understand how they. I understand how they're lo- how they're liked and loved. Peach stuff usually does well here, so I'm gonna give uh, the Brewing Project a, a shot here. Um, they had our the second peanut butter and jelly one that I had had on mm. the podcast, and it's been it's been a hot minute since that. So, <laughs> um, like episode seventy something, I think. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm the moving to the country by the brewing project is what i'm drinking
0: nice what you got tonight i have uh, mine's from wisconsin too mine is from stevens point wisconsin okay. um and it is stevens point brewery and it is called cookies and cream stout mm. um and uh, so went to wife was gone today so we went to the store took the kids with me and we're walking down the beer aisle and my daughter's like hey cookies and cream and i was like Done. <laughs> so your daughter picked out your beer tonight. <laughs> my All right. daughter picked out my beer tonight. Um, and and I was she was like, and and then of course then my son chimes in. He's like, "Can I have some?" I was like, "No, you cannot." <laughs> <laughs> not yet. He's yet, like, anyway. "But it's cookies and cream." I'm like, "No, it's not cookies and cream. It's cookies and cream beer." It's
1: yeah, Dad's version of cookies and cream. <laughs> yeah, I, I I usually explain it with like, yeah, this is a grown up drink and you can't have any.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so that's how I explain it to my five year old. So nice. Well, they're not going to drink themselves, so we should crack them open and see what we got to work with tonight. I agree, and we're going to have different sounds because you've got a. I got bottle a bottle. And I, I have a can. So, and I'm not sure if this is a twist off or a. Oh, it's a twist off. I can tell now. So I'm gonna see what happens here. Man, it's been a long time since I've twisted a bottle off. Here All we right. go. Three, go. two, one, crack. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> so they actually describe this thing which I didn't say much about mine just where it was from but they say dunk the little cookies and watch the bubbles come up and I want to see if this thing oh, like little partic- man does that smell
1: good it smells fantastic it smells like I just opened a bag of peach rings.
0: Oh, nice! And
1: it's I a mean, sour. It's your favorite, man. Yeah, I mean, look at this color on it too, dude. I mean, that is, is nice, gorgeous. I did get a backup. Just I got it a, like a, one of my favorite uh, go tos as a backup in case this goes ha, goes uh, <laughs> bad, A rye. <laughs> yeah.
0: And but I'm not. I don't think I'm going to need it because this smells. So, mm. this is the this is going to be a new one for me. This is the first stout that I can see through. You can see through that? I can see through it. You can't. Uh, and, I, like, I can see it on the screen, and I, it looks completely dark. But I can see through this when I hold it up to the light. Mm. So, this is not as dark as a what I was expecting for a stout to be. But we're going to find out. Maybe there it tastes good. I love cookies and cream. Mm. So... Well, let's Nothing drink it. With it. Let's Cheers. do it. Oh, I can go. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna let you sit on because I feel like you need to. Um this is this is really good, but not a stout. One sip, and I got that one down. This is more like a uh, porter. Okay. Flavors like a porter, consistency is like a porter um it's just it's lighter than than a stout should be it's but that doesn't negate the fact that it is really really good okay uh the flavor of it is perfect for that like if 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 i felt like i ground up oreo cookies and put them in a beer that's what that's what this beer tastes like see typically with stouts when they claim something
1: very specific they just mm-hmm. they they just miss entirely. Yes. I feel like I feel like it's just like oh that's a stout and there's a hint of there's like a maybe a hint of the flavor that they're going for. But you're saying yeah. that that is like cookies and cream
0: like yes. nailed it nailed it. Cookies and cream na- like beer and cookies and cream mixed together like if literally if I were eating Oreo and drinking beer drinking some kind of porter at the same time this is the flavor it would be. Hmm. Um, the chocolate flavor is just right. And it's got, I don't know how they got, it says they use, um, it says bis- biscuity base, uh, with dark chocolate malt softened with flavors of cream filling speckled ice cream and white chocolate. So I'm assuming the white chocolate is what gives it that like contrasting mm-hmm. chocolate flavor like the Oreo has where you have the cream and the chocolate, um, um, but the flavor is there. The only thing that that knocks this thing is if they'd have called this the cookies and cream porter, I, it'd be getting five luthers. But because it's too light for me and what I was expecting from a stout, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna have to give it four and a half luthers. Okay. So, but flavor nailed it. Texture nailed it. Um, Fantastic! I I am this. This might be the first time in several weeks that I'm actually glad that I have five more of these to drink. So, there you go. There's the Stevens Point Cookies and Cream Stout. I'm going to dub it the Cookies and Cream Porter because that makes me feel good. But that's where it's at. So, how is moving to the country?
1: It makes me want to move to the country.
0: (laughs) This thing is very good.
1: Um, The peach flavor is good. I didn't really. I didn't read the can either. So, um, the can says it's a sour ale brewed with peach, apricot, vanilla, and natural flavor. The peach is definitely there. The apricot is also very much there. Mm -hmm. It has a very, this may sound gross, but it has a very gooey texture. Okay. Like, it, it feels like I'm drinking a peach cobbler. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, <laughs> like, if I close my eyes, like all that's missing is the crust and a scoop of vanilla ice cream. So you need the Peaches Crumble Treat from a few weeks ago to mix with this one? <laughs> is that what you're saying? I think I just need to... I mean, this this thing is fantastic. Like, yeah. like I said before, I'm not a huge fan of peach rings, but this may um, sway me to give them another try. Um, it, it, I mean, flavor is so good. Textures tech, the texture is so unique. I don't think I've ever had any, I haven't had anything like this in a very long time. Yeah. Um, it comes in at 7.9% ABV, so it's a little higher for an ale or a sour than normal, but yeah. Um, I mean, Variant Project knocked this one out of the freaking park dude. This is five nice. Luthers <laughs> all day, tw- twice on Sunday. Um, and it's been like two months since we've had a fi- either of us have had a five Luther. Yeah. And So, I mean, I, I have no qualms about giving this one five Luthers. It is so so good, and um, nice. I'm I'm,
0: ex- I'm excited about it. So, nice. Well, cookies and cream stout getting four and a half. I wish you'd have called it cookies and cream porter, man. I like legit. Like, I want to give this five, but because it's not the the texture of a stout is the only reason I can't. Um. But cookies and cream stout, getting four and a half luthers from me. Stevens Point Brewing, moving to the country uh, from the Brewing Project, getting five luthers from Michael. There's a couple of beers if you want to try to hunt them down. Uh, do that, and we are going to take a short break, and we are going to come back in just a minute, and we're going to talk about we're we're going to finish Galatians chapter one tonight. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, and we're gonna talk about Paul's testimony. Um, where we've been moving through the chapter and, and uh, what he set up for us talking about the, the false gospel. And um, he, he lays it out tonight. He gives his story. Um, and we're going to do that right after this break.
1: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Beers and Bible podcast. Uh tonight we are going to wrap up Galatians chapter 1. Um what's it three weeks in Galatians
0: 1 there Anthony. Yep. Yeah. So three weeks. We're we're I mean, rolling through this thing. If we do a month per chapter it'll be 6 months. So we're I mean we're doing okay. Yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> um it's not going to uh, take us 19 months, okay? Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean we could we could get into the like <laughs> Like each line gets a gets a week, um, or each verse. No, we won't do that to y'all. So tonight we're gonna to wrap up Galatians one, um, and as we have the last couple of weeks, uh, we'll start by reading the text that we're covering tonight. We're gonna to be in Galatians one, uh, verse eleven through twenty four, and uh, I'll read that for us tonight. And I'm gonna read from the whole uh, Holman Christian Standard, and. Um, I know you have it up in your notes from another version, but I'm gonna read from the HCSB because that's what I like. So do it. Um so here we go. Uh Galatians one, verse eleven. Now I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel preached by me is not based on human thought. For I did not receive it from a human source and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I persecuted God's church to an extreme degree and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my birth set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him fifteen days. But I didn't see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now I am not lying in what I write to you. God is my witness. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria in Cilicia I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches in Christ they simply kept hearing he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me um this to me this is like a beautiful maybe the most beautifully written testimony in scripture
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and Paul has laid it out here. He's like, here's basically, he qualifies himself again mm-hmm. saying, I didn't receive the gospel from man, but I received it directly from Jesus. And then here's kind of how he ends up where he is now. Um, yeah. And then in the rest of the, in the rest of the chapter. So, um, let's get into it. We're going to break down Paul's testimony here in in a few sections, um, and we're going to get right right into it. So um, in the first two verses, Paul sets up the context, um, the origin of the gospel, the origin of his gospel. Um, So Paul's gospel is received from God. This builds on what he wrote in verse 10, um, where he says, for I am now or am I now trying to win the favor of people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. He's building on this. If if God had not given him that gift of salvation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then, then then any salvation Paul could potentially have would, would be false or wouldn't be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, the Paul received the gospel directly from god directly from christ yeah and that's why paul is not worried about pleasing men with the gospel he 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 is he is in, he is more interested in preaching the truth and sharing the truth of the gospel yeah. than he is tickling the ears of the people um mm-hmm. and and that's why uh, paul says a lot of um Very controversial things in a lot of his letters, but, (laughs) um, but but that's because he's more interested in the truth than in satisfying the masses. Yeah. Um, and and really, what Paul, one of Paul's concerns here is he's trying to show that no one can be educated into the kingdom of God. There's no amount of things to learn, degrees to. Earn, mm-hmm. books to read, verses to memorize. Um, there's no amount of any of that stuff that can earn you status in the kingdom of God. It is solely based on the reception of the grace of God, um, the gift of salvation, trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Paul is saying that's the only way in. So all the other stuff that people have been trying to do for thousands of years was in vain because now, or would be in vain now because we have Jesus. Yeah. Um, so uh, Paul lays that out, um, and, and then he, he goes on to, to um to say how understanding our inherent nature is crucial to seeing the depth of the gospel. Um, you know, our, our, our nature outside of Christ is very, and even with Christ is still very self-centered. Um, we're still very focused on what we can do, how we do things, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, And, and Paul is saying, if you, if you understand the selfishness that is in your heart, then, you can really see how deep and meaningful and important and wonderful the gospel is. Yeah. Um, because on its face, or you know, on its face, there's no reason for man to even have a glimmer of hope of access to God. Mm-hmm. But because of Christ, because of the gospel, because of What Jesus has done, um, like, that man-centeredness is superseded by Christ's goodness. Yep. Um, So um, our natural state uh, will always seek self-reliance and self-protection. And then there's this quote um, from a book, uh, Live in Liberty, um, by Daniel Bush and Noel, Noel? Noel? Noel. Noel. Noel, do I don't know, um, and and it says wherever the gospel is truly preached, it will come under fire because its message crucify, crucifies the flesh. Your self assertion and self reliance get you nowhere with God. False gospels, however, appeal to the flesh. You get somewhere with God when you get all of the steps right. The true gospel basically rips you of your of it rips you of your ability to do anything. Yes. To earn standing with God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it says, you know, the quote says, crucifies the flesh. Um, apart from the true gospel of Christ, there's nothing we can do. And mm-hmm. so um and, and I feel it feels like we're hard, like we've said that for four weeks straight now. Like it's all kind of building up to that. But we're probably gonna keep saying it. <laughs> yeah, probably so. But um, and, and so really, like the last little, the last little thing to say here on the in this in these two verses. This is all two verses, by the way. Um, <laughs> is that man's heart wants desperately to be the center of its own universe, mm. and, and you see that from you know if you think back to before anyone knew anything about the universe as a whole, they thought earth was the center of the universe. Yeah. And and that is a overflow of man wanting to be the center of, of his own universe. Yeah. Um, and, and this really points to the theological idea of total depravity. Um, you know, the, the idea that man wants to be in control and the center of the universe, um, and inherently cannot
0: shed that no matter how hard we try. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really interesting because like, I, I think total depravity gets a bad rap sometimes because when we think about total depravity, we think about, you know, Oh, you know, we just, we hate God and, and we don't, you know, we can't do anything right. And, and we're just, mm-hmm. we're so depraved that we're terrible. And, and, and then, you know, they'll always be like, well, how do you explain atheists who help people? And and that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, to me, it perfectly explains total depravity because an atheist who's helping somebody is doing so for his own good. Yeah. Like, it's a selfish help.
1: Yeah. There, you know? there's, there's a question. I was listening to a podcast and they asked the question, like, can you do anything completely stripped of like that notion of, um, I forget what they called it, but it was like this notion of like, can you do anything really good that cannot benefit you at all? Like if you see someone stuck on the side of the road, can you truly pull over and help them without expecting something in return or to feel good about doing it? Or like, what's like, what's the reward in you stopping and doing that? Yeah. You know, like, are you truly doing it because you're trying to help felt your fellow man who's stuck on the side of the road? Or is there some underlying, maybe not even conscious ulterior motive?
0: Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I think, I think four-year-olds put it, put it best. Every time you ask a question, you say, why, why, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I want to help that person because they need to be helped. Why? Because they're in trouble. Why? I don't know, but we just need to help them. Why? you know, mm-hmm. and, and, but like the, the depravity is not about, um, the eat. This is gonna sound really weird how I say this this way, but it's not about the evil of your heart. That's there. And we know it's there. Yeah. The depravity really finds its root and its core and its foundation in your lust for the evil in your heart. Like, yeah. because it's, you You say, I want to do this. Why do I want to help this person who's stranded on the side of the road? Because, I want to make me feel better about saying that I did something, you know, right. uh, it's, 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 it's all of those little reasons. And ultimately what they point back to is a self-reliance or a self-protection, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's some reason why you do that. And and this, again, this is gonna sound horrible, but even heroes are motivated by something other than ultimately other than just the common good. Yeah. You know, and, and we don't want to admit it sometimes because it deflates that person. It deflates the hero and the heroic act that they did. And, and that's mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to downplay those things because when somebody does that, it is a heroic act. And I'm glad that somebody is sacrificial like that. But but we can't look at that and say that proves that there is goodness in man inherently that wants to do things that strive after God. You know, because we don't know what's in that hero's heart to be able to right. do that. But the Bible repeatedly tells us that the heart is an idol factory. The Bible repeatedly tells us that our flesh constantly fights against us. And 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 so I, I think it's a better picture to say, man, if I do something good, that's that's fantastic credit to God. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I do something evil, that's me in my own nature. That's the reality of who I am. Yeah. You know, because I think that's the picture that Scripture paints of man and and their state, and that's why we needed a Savior like Jesus to come, yeah, you know the God man we needed God in the flesh because God in flesh was the only way that we could be made right, right so little little snippet there, sorry about that
1: no, you're fine. <laughs> so that's the first two verses of the text tonight Uh. So, Anthony, why don't you take us through the next little section here?
0: Yeah. So, we're really going to dive into Paul's actual testimony. He What he does there in those first two verses, kind of gives us a little context, like you mentioned. And then we're going to—he gives us—and um, I love the way you put it. It's, it's a beautiful picture of Paul telling his story, because that's exactly what a testimony is. And there's there's always kind of three main cores when you talk about your testimony. There's mm-hmm. who you were before Christ, what happened to you to come to Christ— uh, and then what's happened to you since you came to Christ, and and that's really what Paul lays out in these in these next verses, starting in, in verse thirteen. So let's look at first what Paul was like before his conversion. Okay, um, the the first thing he said, I mean, he lays it out there. He doesn't shy away from it. He tells you exactly what kind of terrible person he was. I persecuted people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tie this back to Acts eight one through three, where. Um, that is the stoning of Stephen. And if you, if you read the end of chapter seven, uh, with the stoning of Stephen in the first part of chapter eight, it says, and Saul approved of his execution. Now I've heard it said in those verses right there. And Saul, by the way, Saul is Paul. Okay. Um, to the Hebrew Jewish people, he was known as Saul to the Gentiles. He was known as Paul. Um, and no, he did not change his name. Um, it it never says in scripture that he changed his name it just says he was known basically by two different names depending mm-hmm. on who he was around okay but it's known as the same it's everybody knew it was the same person you know um it'd be like if some people called call some people call me michael and some people call me mike yes that's basically what it is yeah so there's a Greek version, there's a Hebrew version, and and that's that's all that is. But I love it, you know, I love the people who try to make too much out of something. They're like, and when God saved Paul, he Saul, he changed him into Paul. No, he didn't. He was still Saul. Right. <laughs> you
1: know? He I mean, God does God didn't change you when he saved you. Like he didn't change you into a new person. You're still no. the same person.
0: No. All he did was take out my heart of stone and give me a yeah. heart of you know, a heart I- of flesh that was William. I,
1: I realized when I said that it was like God didn't change you. It's like yeah, but yeah, he, he did, did, but he didn't change you into a completely different person. I no, wanted to clear that up. So
0: My name didn't change from Anthony to Jonathan. Right. <laughs> you know. Um but but so Paul in those first three verses of Acts, we I mean to to say it bluntly, Paul was basically a terrorist. I mean, mm-hmm. he terrorized the church. He drugged people off. Um he killed, he probably oversaw the martyrdom of several Christians. Saul is, or I'm sorry, Stephen is the first martyr recorded in Scripture. And Saul is there approving of his execution. And, um, you know, if you do a little bit of of study into the the start of there in Acts chapter 8, you'll find out that it's not that he was standing by like holding the people's coats and just kind of like looking being like, oh my gosh, and he didn't stop it. No, Saul was the guy who was like, kill that dude. Kill him right now. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, he was the leader of the religious sect that would that would have been like, you know, people are picking up stones and Saul's like, why are you not throwing stones yet? Get that dude dead. Make him unalived right now. Mm-hmm. Um and and that finish I him. mean, finish him. <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat. Thank you, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's what it that's what it implies when it says Saul approved. Of his execution, hmm. and so I mean, this guy is a terror to the church, and and I would think that the you know Christians are probably afraid of a guy like that, even if he did get you know you hear that right. he got saved. Well, I mean, um, you, I mean,
1: when when someone has that reputation, I think about it in your church now. Like if you hear like, oh, so and so had this really bad, tear like terrible past. I don't wanna give any examples just because I don't wanna hit it too don't want it to hit too close to home for anybody, but (laughs) like so and so did all of this terrible stuff, but now Jesus has radically changed them and now they're a member of your church and they're and they're there every week is like there's always that little like I feel like there would still be that like that um that feeling that's like is this guy gonna snap and just annihilate us all. Like like it yeah. kind of and I'm sure that's what was going on in the early church. You know, it had to be. Paul Paul had a reputation for hunting and murdering Christians. Yeah. And now he is intentionally putting himself after his experience with Jesus on the Damascus road, he's intentionally putting himself in the middle of groups of Christians and and yeah. And trying to, like, I feel like at any point and with the way some of these churches were acting, at any point Paul could have gone, you know what?
0: <laughs> if I was Saul. <laughs> Don't make me bring out Saul. <laughs> <laughs> like good cop, bad cop. <laughs> there should be a Lego movie about Saul where the, the face spins around.
1: So, I mean, But I mean, so, yeah, of course, the church is going to be hesitant to believe that this guy really had an experience. Is he just saying that so he can get in with us and, and kill us all once he, once we trust him, you know?
0: Yeah. Is he trying to infiltrate us? You know, and it, but, but during this time, he's, he is terrorizing the church and it's, I mean, it's, we, you, you mentioned the Damascus road. It's, it's Acts chapter nine. When he goes on the Damascus road, I'm just going to read verse one, but Saul still breathing threats and murder. Against the disciples of the Lord. Like, that's how that's how chapter nine starts. I just
1: imagine and, him walking down Damascus Road, just going like, I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to get every single one of them, <laughs> like under his breath, not to anyone in particular, just like if it doesn't he's, he's hyping himself up. Yeah. If they, oh, they don't even know. They don't even know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it had to have been like that. Now, that's what I'm going to tell myself anyway but but you know like the damascus road is where everything changes mm-hmm. and and so he's breathing out murderous threats and and then this radical encounter with Jesus there on the on the damascus road and and he's a completely different person i mean he absolutely 100% changes that we're going to get to in just a minute but you know why was he breathing out murderous threats well Paul was steeped in his traditions. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the base for his persecution. He's like, you guys are not doing what we told you to do. You're wrong. Uh, And, and, and I mean, they were attacking Paul at his core. Really. The gospel was attacking, call it his poor, Paul at his core said that backwards. Um, And, and I mean, honestly, when that's our, that's, it shows our natural fleshly response when we're attacked. I mean, if somebody's coming at you, you're not just going to roll over and be like, oh, I'm so sad. No, you're going to, I mean, you may lose, but you're going to bow up and try to fight, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what, that's what he's doing. And if you read over in Philippians, he says, he says, I'm the, you know, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrew Philippians chapter three, verses four through six. This is what he says. He says, though, I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of uh, Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. That is the source of Paul's zealousness. He Mm -hmm. thought he was perfect. And that's what we do. So many times we think, "Oh, I'm doing the right thing." There's no way God can blame me because I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And 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 Paul in even in these verses here in 13 and 14 he reiterates that. Um, if we go back to to verse 13, it says, "For you have heard of my former life in Judaism." That's what I just read in Philippians there, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my I mean, Paul is proud of the fact that he's like the best of the best. I mean, this guy's the valedictorian, he's the star of the the school, he's everything that everybody wanted to be when it came to Judaism in that day. Mm-hmm. He's the best. And and I mean, he is the epitome of a religious leader, what we would define as a religious leader in modern day context. You know, he's a mega church pastor who's got 2 billion followers on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And, 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 and I mean, this guy's just, this guy has all of the right answers and, and he knows. I mean, that's who this guy was. And then there's this message that comes in and just jacks everything up. Of course, then you get to Acts 9 and Jesus jacks everything up, you know. But I love this, this, uh, what John Stott says when he's talking about Paul. Before Christ, mm-hmm. um, and he says he says this, right? He says now a man in that mental and emotional state is in no mood to change his mind. And that's I mean, that's exactly right. Paul's like, I'm doing this. Right. Or even have it changed by men. So nobody's convincing Paul that he's wrong. OK, mm-hmm. no conditioned reflex or other psychological device could convert a man in that state. Only God could reach him. And that's exactly what God did. Yep. You know? And so we talk about who Paul was. He's ravaging the church. He's this, um, excelled leader who learned everything. And then we get to his actual conversion in verses 15 and 16. So take us through his Mm -hmm. actual conversion. Sure.
1: So if you've been paying attention through this testimony of Paul, you've seen a lot of, I like Paul talking about himself, what he's done. Um, I was the a Hebrew of Hebrew. I did you know X, Y, Z, whatever. And then in verse fifteen, it switches. It changes from Paul talking about himself to Paul talking about what God has done. Mm-hmm. um I want you to hear the switch. So I'm gonna read fourteen and fifteen. um so verse fourteen, Paul says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was a, because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from birth set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. So he, he changes it. God set him apart. God calls him. God was pleased. God revealed his son. Like, it was no longer all the... And, and, I mean, you really see the switch at the very beginning of verse 15. Paul has basically laid out, up until this point, he's laid out all the reasons why, Um, if you, if you had a checklist, he was like the model Jew. He was the model, like, I've done all the things. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I... I I've learned all the stuff. I've I've done. Yeah. I've I've done all the things, and then he, and then it says, "But when God, who from my birth set me apart and called me by His grace," like Paul understood even at this moment that he had been set apart from his birth to yeah. be an ambassador for Christ, and yeah. and Paul recognizes that this is God's choice as the source of his conversion. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, that's. It's almost, it. it, And it does feel very like, I. I I could understand being in the first century church, going, I can't trust this guy.
0: Yeah. You
1: know because he's made a complete one eighty from what he was just doing. Yeah. However long ago. And now, um. You know is it, it, talking like it, it. That's why I think that's why the change from Saul to Paul thing gets brought up because he is so radically different. Oh yeah. From, from how he was. So um, anyway, Paul, you Paul's use of uh, before I was born. That's a repeated theme we see throughout scripture. Um, Genesis 25. Um, we talk about uh, the promise of Jacob and Esau and, um, and then Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1, uh, 4 through 5, we see that as well. Um, and and really, Paul never suggests that he was saved because he made a decision for God. Um, he was saved because God was pleased to reveal his son to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is just another, like, it's a rewording of the idea that we bring nothing to our salvation. Yeah. Like, like. All we bring is our response. And even then like they, they, that that's where you can get into an iffy, iffy area there.
0: But Well, yeah. could there could the response happen if God hadn't initiated? Right. Yeah. That that's what I'm like. So so and if God doesn't initiate,
1: can or can you accept Christ? Yeah. That gets into that whole like idea of predestination versus free will too, mm-hmm. which we won't get into now. If we could, <laughs> we could go, we could go off on a tangent for a minute. So, um, so really, like the good news of the gospel says that despite our brokenness, God, the one who fulfilled the requirements of the law, covers us and presents us whole to God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that takes away the idea of like having to follow a list of rules or having to look a certain way or, or, or be a certain thing. Like we've, we've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about legalism and fundamentalism and all this stuff. And, um, I'm reading a book right now by Jefferson Bethke called, um, Jesus is greater than religion. It's not a new book. It's old, but I don't read all the time. So, um, but, but he, he, In this book, he says that um, legalism and fundamentalism is a terrible version of Christianity, that there's no joy for the person practicing it, and it draws no one to Jesus. Um, Paul, before his encounter with Jesus, was doing all the things right, Mm -hmm. and I imagine no one wanted to – like, there were very few people who wanted to be like him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the he, only people who probably did want to be like him or with him was other legalist other, other people <laughs> who were already who other people who
1: were already like him. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and after his conversion after he becomes a follower of Jesus he is filled with this joy that despite being in prison despite all the stuff that happens to him throughout his ministry he is continually drawing <clears throat> people to Jesus. Yep. Like from his, from the, excuse me. From his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road until he dies, yeah, he is drawing people to Jesus, and even now, two thousand years later, he, the words he wrote are still drawing people closer and closer to Jesus. Yep. and so, um, it's just crazy to think that this like the one encounter with Jesus that Paul had, radically altered the um trajectory of paul mm-hmm. and i would even say like trajectory of the church and yeah. trajectory of um <laughs> <For> sure <laughs> uh, of, a, of a lot of things and so um but if he doesn't have that he's still stuck in that legalist fundamentalist mindset still doing all the things he's he has been taught his whole life that he believes are right yeah. Um, and, and you have to, like, I can't imagine he had joy doing that. Like he may mm-hmm. have said he had it, but he, I can't imagine he did. Um, but I don't really know. So, so there's Paul's conversion. Um, he goes from boasting about himself to, to boasting about Jesus, um, and now we're going to wrap up this section here so anthony why don't you take us through um what paul uh, talks about in regards to after his conversion here
0: yeah so what he does um you know after talking basically giving us the shift from from paul i i i to paul god 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 you know this is what god did mm-hmm. um he goes into some detail some pretty lengthy detail here to to show that the gospel that he preaches is, is number one, not influenced by the apostles. And, and, you know, I can, I can only imagine the rumors that, that can swirl during this time, but you know, there's, there's people that are probably like, Oh, well I only heard that he's, you know, he's snugged up to the, to the apostles and they're teaching him this. And, and it's just, it's just this thing that, that that's wrong. And, and, you know, there's all these other things. And so, um, You know, possibly even coming back from the Judaizers because they're mad that he left. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they're mad that he's not one of them anymore. And so they're trying to find ways to discount and discredit Paul, which we've learned from the very beginning. Uh, You know, uh, chapters uh, or verses one through like six and seven and all that. And so what he does is he just kind of says, this is exactly how it went. He lays out what happened after the Damascus road um and he says you know i did this i did that i did not go over here so that proves that i i didn't um i'm not i'm i'm not influenced by them and and you know you read the the verses where he says uh in what i'm writing to you before god i do not lie he i mean he's basically saying look i'm swear this is the truth mm-hmm. you can check you can fact check me if you want to you know um he's like but- hand on the bible if we had a bible <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and so he's, he's basically giving us, um, a shortened history of what his life has been like since Christ. This is what's mm-hmm. happened. I've, I've, I spent three years, you know, basically learning this, learning what Jesus had mm-hmm. done on, on his, on, in his life and, um, He's he's really gonna he's what he does is he describes really back all the way to his opening statement um, that this is not any kind of uh, man's gospel going back to verses ten and eleven where we started saying that I didn't get this from man I'm not here to serve man I'm not doing this for any reason related to man Mm -hmm. this is what God has revealed to me. Uh, is is what Paul is telling the Galatian church. and so he's validating again, he's validating himself to them to say, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how any other way to say it, but I'm the real deal. um and and you are what we're gonna do is we're gonna see really the climax of what Paul's arguing right now once we get to the end of chapter two because what Paul is arguing for and what he's rolling out his testimony as, will come to a climax when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if, if there is a one to two sentence summary of the gospel and the transforming power and effect of the gospel on your life, it is that right there you know because it is a it is a sentence that says i did all of these things i was the best of the best i was blameless mm-hmm. and you you contrast that with i have been crucified with christ it's not me anymore you're not looking at me you're looking at christ living in me yeah and and you're looking at what he's done and you're and and if you look at me you don't say you're looking at me say you're looking at christ because the life i live is now lived by faith in the son of god yeah. And and why is it that way because he loved me and gave himself up for me. That's I mean this is this is a call to action for Christians to own their responsibility to share Christ with the world around us, to make Christ known to the world around us. Is mm-hmm. is what these verses are. That's why Paul's describing it the way that he is. And and yeah. he's saying I did this. I went over here. I studied for 3 years. I uh, you know, he's giving us all this because he's saying all of this requires action. It's not action that saves, but it should be an outflow of the grace and the mercy that you have been shown. Yeah. And and that's what I mean, that's what a Christian testimony is. It is it is a call to action for the people who are around you because you're saying, "Man, let me tell you who I was and let me tell you who I am now and let me tell you about the person that made me." Mm-hmm. From who I was into who I am now, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and and that's what Paul does here with this testimony, and and so it should be an example. It should be a a model for us to follow as Christians. And and so you know, as we as we kind of wrap it up, let's you know, let's talk about some of these questions. As uh, these, how can we reflect on this? What Paul is teaching us? And you know, the first question that comes to mind is that. You know, what is amazing about Paul's conversion, uh, other mm-hmm. than the fact that he had scales on his eyes and <laughs> and was yeah. blinded for three days. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's that's miraculous. But let's get down into the root of it. What's amazing about it is that Paul goes from being a terrorist to being one of the most vigilant defenders of the gospel literally overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um and, and so, you know, it's it's truly an amazing story. But yeah. that doesn't mean that your story is any worse than Paul's, you right. know, or, you know, Paul's story is better. You know, we always think, oh, my testimony is not good because I didn't do drugs and I didn't sleep around. I was
1: about to, there's a Tim Hawkins joke about that. He goes, man, I got a terrible testimony. Wish I was addicted to crack. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, yeah.
1: like it, it just, you know, you, you but when we start comparing our testimonies with the backstory and not with the, well, God's God saving power is the mm-hmm. same. If you were saved at five with no, um, like, you, you haven't had a chance to do anything really terrible. Yeah. Or if you're 50 and you've been to jail and killed people and done all these drugs and helped. People get abortions and, and like, whatever, like, lay out the list, whatever that yeah. list is. If Jesus radically saves you at five or 50, the salvation story is the same. You're still radically saved. You're still radically <laughs> saved. Um, so, and, and it is, it's very difficult sometimes, especially for, for me, cause I got saved young, but not like super, like, I got saved at 18. Yeah. And so did I did I live a full life of like partying and all this stuff? No. I didn't I didn't really do any of that, but was I still lost before I knew Jesus? Of course. Yeah. The same way we all are before we mm-hmm. know Jesus. And so like like to me Paul's conversion is amazing because of the like just how radical and and how quickly it happens. Yeah, you know it, he goes from he he's on his like he's on Damascus he's on the road to Damascus to keep persecuting people. Yeah, he he's you know mumbling under his breath, "I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him." <laughs> like, like he's he is he is huffing and puffing down that road to get him, and then Jesus saves him, and he and that 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 doesn't that's gone. Yeah, almost immediately. So. That's what's amazing about it to me. So, um, the next question to think about: Why should Paul's conversion and commission encourage us? Um, to me, it's just a brilliant, like, brilliant reminder that nobody is too far gone. Yeah, for the gospel to reach. Yeah, it's. I, I know that sounds cliched. I'm sure I've heard that in a pulpit a dozen times, but no one is too far gone. So if mm-hmm. you think you're too far gone, like, have you been hunting down Christians and <laughs> bringing them out in front of people to have them sown? <laughs> Probably not. So, um, so like, no matter how low you feel, mm-hmm. like the grace of God is still there and still That's sufficient right. and still good. So yeah,
0: yep. And uh, just just one more question to, to think about this week. And, and this is really more of an introspection and, and I hope you guys will take this with you this week, but are you drawn to a tradition and a law keeping as ways to gain approval from either God or men, you know, no, it doesn't matter where you're seeking approval, but are you drawn to traditions and law keeping as a source of approval in your life? And, and if you are, what traditions and laws are? Are, are the ones that appeal to you. You know, which ones is it? Where is your legalism found? Mm. And I mean, the, the deep reality is that in some ways, all of us are legalists and it's mm-hmm. something that we have to constantly kind of be on guard for. And we have to pray, yeah. you know, God, you know, make me into who you want me to be. Teach me how to, to reflect you to the world around me better every day. Yeah. Um, and so because we're we're not always going to get it right, we're always going to be some type of legalist somewhere. And so, you know, if you if you're a uh, an independent fundamental baptist or if you're, you know, according to to the IFB if you're a a liberal SBC person, you know, what is it that you're clinging to as your source of this is why I'm better? Yeah. You know, is it the style of worship that your church does? Is it the the version of the Bible that your pastor reads from? Is it, you know, the that you wear the right clothes or you have the right view uh, of this? Or, you know, w- pick your poison. Um, you know, where is it that we're all a legalist and how can we be less legalist and more like Christ to show freedom to people on a daily basis? Yeah. So... You got anything else you want to add? I don't think so, but
1: I'd like to pray for us tonight. Let's do it. All right. Uh, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, another opportunity to uh, dive into your word. Thank you for the book of Galatians. Um, God, thank you for radically saving Paul and and giving us his testimony in your word. Um, God, thank you for how you use Paul to advance the gospel and how you're still using the writings of Paul today um, to encourage believers, to challenge us to be more like your son. Um, And God, thank you for the testimony that was laid out in the passage tonight. Um, Thank you for how we see um, the change in Paul, how we see um, just how he goes from being self-centered and um, self-reliant to uh, focus on you and focused on advancing the gospel and God help us to um, take this example and apply it to our own lives God show us areas where oh, we're still self-centered um, where we're still focused on um, our desires and our wants and God help us rid, help rid us of those and um, mis- uh, make those Christ-centered make, make Help us uh, relinquish areas that we don't want to relinquish, God, um, and 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 hand them over to you. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrificial um, life and death and um, how we can trust you. Um, God, help us to um, not fall into the ways of legalism. Um, help us to um, really just trust in the true gospel. Help us to um uh, uh, live out um live in, live in such a way that shows that we um, truly believe and and truly um I don't even know what the words to say truly uh truly believe what you've done for us and so and believe that that's sufficient there it is um God thank you for your great love for us thank you for your grace your mercy um thank you for your son. And um, we pray all this in Jesus' precious name, Amen. Amen. Sorry, that was a bit of a train wreck of a prayer. Um, <laughs> I got lost in the words a little bit. So, Anthony, if you uh, would, can you tell our listeners where they can reach the Beers and Bible podcast on the social media places?
0: Yes. Uh, if you're on the Instagram, hit up Beers and Bible underscore X slash twitter hit up beers and bible p1 facebook just search beers and bible podcast look for our logo there and email you can email us at beers and at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you with any of your beer suggestions and or comments about why we are wrong about something uh, so send those our way and we will be glad to engage in a conversation so until next week I hope that your beer stays cold And your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out.